exclusive on files, home to the world's biggest stars. Get your hands up! Live on your radio. And you can check us out on your socials. <laughs> your favorite person, Serena. Serena! The Bellissimo Files on Spin. And now, your host, Serena Bellissimo. Good morning. How's it going? Hope you're having a lovely start to your weekend. I'm here with you for the next couple of hours, and we've got a great show on the way. I'm going to be catching up with The Witcher stars, Freya Allen. She plays Siri. And the newest Witcher star, you may have seen him on Killing Eve, Kim Bodnia is coming in to play Henry Cavill's dad, Vesemir. There's no, no spoilers there, I promise. I'll also be catching up with Amal Amin. He is the star and director of Boxing Day. He's going to tell us what it was like working with Little Mix's Leanne Pinnock in her film debut in Boxing Day. And up next on The Bellissimo Files, I'm going to be introducing you to Roffy James. Oh, the Bellissimo Files. One to watch. This week's One to Watch is known as one of Galway's premier bands. They've just released their latest single, Berlin Wall. I am talking about Roffy James, and I got to catch up with one of the band members, Jamie. Jamie, congratulations on the new single. Thanks a million, Serena. It's great to be on. Thanks for having me. How does it feel to finally have this out there? It's a really good feeling, especially after the last uh, year and a half or two years in lockdown. Um, this song especially, we wrote this in the peak of lockdown, just after the first uh, initial lockdown. We actually rented a house in Clare for a week. We hadn't seen each other for four months. So we actually just wrote this song on, uh, on a whim after uh, not being able to see each other for so long. So, Jamie, what was that like? Because as a band, you tend to live in each other's pockets and then not to see each other for four months and then to actually not only just see each other, but be in the same house and get to live in each other's pockets again. It was amazing. Like, we'd be we'd be very close friends anyway. I think we're all quite extroverted people as well. So I think for a lot of people, lockdown was a big shock to the system. And musicians as well, I think, are quite uh, social people. Like, I, I definitely missed the lads big time. And it was great just to, that feeling of being in a room and playing music with people, not over Zoom. It was, it's just, it's something special. And thank God we actually came up with a lot of good music during that week. Um, including the new single Berlin Wall, which were, you know, I think it just all the frustration that we all felt during that kind of period of our lives really came out in the song, which kind of was nearly beneficial. What's it like hearing it all these months later and getting to release it all these months later when it's still quite raw, but you're not as close to it as you were back then? It's it's a, it's an amazing feeling. Even to this day, like we've been releasing music for nearly a decade now, and even every time you hear your music on on the radio, it's still. You feel like a child at Christmas. <laughs> and talking about music, you, you've said that you've been releasing it for a decade now, but I can't believe we're only going to get your debut album next year. I know. We've uh, we started young, and we've uh, we always joke. Me and Ron we say if we fell out of the tree, we'd hit hit every branch on the way down, hit the trampoline, and go back up. But um, we started when we were very young, and we only started working with our producer Dave Skelton then about five years ago, and that was really the turning point for us because he really helped us to hone in what we were on what we were really good at, and he really helped bring out the best in the band. And we've matured a lot since since then. I think you can really hear it in the music. If you listen to their older stuff. Did you find that the pandemic and lockdown made you really think, I know you got a new producer as well, but did you find that the pandemic and lockdown really made you think about who you were as a band and oh, change sure. you? For sure, definitely. Like, I think 
Um, we all matured and definitely you do a lot of soul searching in periods like that. I think not even musicians, anyone listening at home, I think for a lot of people it was probably the toughest period of their lives. And um, luckily enough, we kind of, we were on Zoom and we were always texting each other, how are you feeling today, man? And we all had kind of our ups and downs. I think it's humbled a lot of people and everyone's got a bit more honest after it which I think is only a good thing too. And what does it feel like to be back out there playing gigs again? It's, it's an amazing feeling. Like just before the, the start of the pandemic, we were playing a, a tour of Galway for the Galway 2020 festival. And we ended up doing a seven night run in different towns in Galway, playing to about 17,000 people. And wow. A couple of weeks later, we uh, were hit by uh, lockdown. So it's a strange feeling and we can't wait now. We have our first gig, first full band set up gig on the 17th of December in the Laugh venue in Galway, um, which we can't wait for. We're absolutely buzzing. That is very exciting. And I think we do, I, I get, you know, we're all in this state of we don't know what to do at the moment, but I think we need to plan. We have to have hope. So what plans have you put in place for 2022? What do Ruffy James want to be doing in 2022? We have big plans in place. The, the album is nearly finished. We have six singles in the pipeline to release over a six to eight week period. So you're going to hear another single in seven weeks. And then touring, gigging everywhere, yeah? Yeah, we're, we actually, we have two and a half months booked to go to America next year. If Hopefully if that goes, goes aside and we have switch things up this time we're working with um, obviously uh, shout out to Cullum and Jesse from Fluttertone PR they've been brilliant here in Ireland and we're working with a PR company in Germany and Switzerland and Austria who uh, we are, we're, are on rotation on a lot of uh, radio stations over there and we're looking to go there for a couple of weeks for a few gigs so things are uh, things are exciting at the moment for Ophie James that's incredible tell me about America how does that happen how do you go on tour in America? We're, we're, we're working as, we're doing a bit of, bit of sightseeing. We're, we're working as session musicians over there and we have a lot of free time between those actual gigs. So we're booking our own gigs on the side with that as well. That is very exciting. Well, look, Jamie, if people want to follow Ruffy James, see what you're up to, give us your social handles. Uh, you can find us on rofijames.com or O-F-I and James and Instagram, uh, Rofi James, Facebook, Rofi James Music. Um, we're on TikTok and all that crack. I probably have a Tinder profile going somewhere, but ignore that if you see it. <laughs> <laughs> or don't. <laughs> Jamie, thank you so much for joining us and good luck with everything. Cannot wait to see what 2022 brings for you guys. Thanks a million, Serena. Thanks so much for having us on. Really appreciate it. Before I let you go, will you introduce your single for us? Well, of course. Hi, this is Jamie from Rofi James. This is our new single, Berlin Wall on the Bliss and the Files. We go out every Bellissimo Files. The Bellissimo Files. On spin. Witcher fans are getting so, so excited. The countdown is on because in two weeks' time, season two is finally landing on Netflix. People are saying that this season is going to push the boundaries of fantasy TV. Returning for season two is Freya Allen. She plays Siri. And we have a newcomer. He is played by Killing Eve's Kim Bodnia. He plays the character of Vesemir. I caught up with both of them to find out more. Freya and Kim, congratulations. Season two of The Witcher. Thank you. Thank you. Freya, going into season one, you knew that there was going to be a fan base out there, but you didn't really know how big it was going to be until it released. So what was it like going back for season two, knowing how well it was received? You know what? I think when it was received well, all I was thinking was, you know, we're going to be able to come back for another season. I'm going to get to actually show, like, I'm going to get to work, number one. Number two, I'm going to get to show like more of Siri, which I really like really wanted to do because I think in season one her story wasn't what 
fans anyway had been really anticipating for and I think season two is that and so but also not just in terms of the fans I wanted to do that that stuff you know all the like fighting and also the characters journey through that season that was all something I was really excited to get into so I don't know I I sort of I, I feel so detached from the success element it's more like being told we can come back for another season and I'm like cool great <laughs> it's not like I don't know, that's it. I'm more interested on, in the fact I get to work and play and do the character again rather than really like, it, I mean, it's great. It's great that it's a, a success, but like I don't really, I'm detached from it basically. I can't describe yeah. it. It's, it's weird. It's just, it, it just feels completely like separate to the job. Kim, yeah. you got to join in on all the fun this season. How did you prep for this? Because like he's a very anticipated character and how did you and... Henry worked together to make sure that you're on the same page because your relationship's really important in this. Yeah, it is. And, uh, you know, Henry is a fan of the game also, of course, also the books. But so I had really had to stand up for that. You know, uh, he, he, he don't want to disappoint anybody that watching that game, you know. So I was studying it and uh, studying all the skills. And I enjoyed that. I, I knew the game before, so it was easy. Um to study all the skills that is in Vesemir was very connected to my own life uh, of living in nature. I've lived in the forest for 20 years. I've almost lived up the Arctic, play with myself in nature and had that knowledge. So when I made up with uh, Henry, uh, we had a lot of chat about that. So through all these beautiful talks about humanity and nature, um, I was accepted as a witcher father and how good is that that's yeah. a great beginning freya you said um that one of the things you were really looking forward to this season was training you were really excited to get training what was your training like and what what was i suppose the most fun action scene that you got to film oh the most fun was obviously the obstacle course yeah, it is. has to be because there were so many different like parts to it and it was like spending a week on go ape it was great <laughs> Yeah, and the, and the amount of attention you get from everyone just watching. Oh God! Like, oh no, please. Yeah. Um, Come down. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it was no. That was so much fun, and um, yeah. you know, I had to, I got to have like a couple of like adrenaline moments within it. Like, um, I get knocked off this um, wobbly kind of beam, uh, and I I had to like genuinely run through with these massive things swinging. It was actually like. <laughs> I mean, if I got knocked by one, I'd phrase out, man. I'm a small thing. I would have been obliterated. Freya, what's so worse is there's people watching. So is there not the pressure of, oh, my God, I, I no, don't no, have no, to I, make sure I, I'm safe. I completely feed off the fact that I have a whole audience. Like, <laughs> I completely use that energy. Um, people always ask that with actors. They're like, how do you do it with them? I'm like, I need them, man. I need the people around me. But uh, no, yeah, I, I just loved that whole thing. It was, it, was, it was so much fun. Well, I'm glad you guys enjoyed making it so we can enjoy watching it. So lovely to talk to you both. Thank, Thank you. you. Bye. The Witcher Season 2 is going to be available to binge on Netflix from Friday the 17th of December. Let's go! The Melissable Files. What to watch. What to watch. Usually at this time of the day, I bring in Aoife. No, 
Because Aoife's sitting right here. I bring in Dee and we chat movies. But Dee is on her honeymoon this weekend. So I thought I'd talk about a couple of the films that I've seen and I've brought Aoife in because Aoife, you have a few questions for me as well, don't you? I do. So I was off last week and I feel like it was the week that one of these movies blew up and I knew nothing about it until I watched a little bit of the trailer this morning. So I need you to tell me more. So this is the movie that we're talking about. I just have to play this clip because I really, (laughs) really want to play this clip. Father, son, and house of Gucci. <laughs> I love that. That That is an iconic line. It is. From Lady Gaga, from the film House of Gucci, and apparently that was improv- improvised in that scene. Apparently they used to do that always in the makeup trailer and stuff. No way. And then, yeah, it wasn't part of the scene and Gaga threw it in and Ridley Scott kept it in. But you had no idea what this film was about. Yeah, so I hate to admit this, and I am a huge fan of Lady Gaga in her acting form as well as her singing form. So the fact yeah. I didn't know more about this, but I just assumed it was about the Gucci fashion house. You're sort of right. So, long story short, it is about the house of Gucci. So, the original family members who made the house of Gucci. But then it's not really. It's also about all the treachery and the backstabbing and the murder that happened within this family. Is it a bit like Succession, but about Gucci? <laughs> but real life, yeah. <laughs> and there's no murder in... No, there's no murder in Succession. I don't know, I haven't yes. watched it yet. Um, <laughs> but yeah, and it's about um, pa- Patrizia Reggiani, who is played by Lady Gaga. She married into the family, and as soon as she married into the family, a lot of drama happened around mm. it. Now, there's been a lot of drama off-screen, Aoife, because the Gucci family have come out and they've gone, a house of Gucci is anything but accurate. And the filmmakers apparently didn't consult them at all. They hate the way their family have been portrayed. They didn't like um, Al Pacino and Jared Leto in it. And Ridley Scott's come back and he's gone, the family should be so bleeping, you know what that means, (laughs) lucky to have the likes of Al Pacino and Jared Leto playing them. Um, Mm. I don't know. Now, there's been a lot of acclaim when it comes to this film. A lot of the critics are saying they love it and stuff. I have to say, it went for, was it two and a half hours? It was over two hours. It was far too long. Mm. Stunning. It looked absolutely stunning. Lady Gaga and Adam Driver, mesmerising. More so Adam Driver. His performance was wow. I have to sort of agree with the Gucci family. When it came to Jared Leto, I don't know what he was doing on screen. He felt like he was giving this comical performance. It wasn't a great performance of Paolo. And... As I said earlier, I think he needs to redeem himself a little bit. He's had some dodgy roles over the years and this didn't do it for him, no? I don't think it did. A lot of people are praising him. I'm just like, no, Jeremy Irons as well. And look, I may be a bit biased. It's like when you hear an Irish accent on (laughs) film. When I hear uh, an American trying to do the Italian accent, Mm. I cringe. And I mean, I've been surrounded by those accents my whole life. Jeremy Irons, I don't know what he was doing. I suppose it doesn't Lady Gaga have Italian heritage. So that probably played to her favour. Gaga was great. Like, yeah. Gaga was great. And, oh, wow, she looked phenomenal. She wasn't just wearing Gucci. She was also, like, the gloves she was wearing in it were stunning. And, you know, they were made by an Irish designer who's I just down the road that. from us, Paula Rowan. And, actually, we'll be catching up with her a little later on. If you are going to see this, um, also know, actually, that it, it tends... I thought it was going to be more about Patrizia. Mm. It ended up being more about Maurizio, which was Adam Driver's character. And I felt like, at the end, we all know... This isn't a spoiler. We all know that a murder happens in there, but I felt that murder was just too wrapped up at the end. It was very rushed, and that's yeah. the thing that I wanted to know more about. But look, it's 
It's spectacular. If you're looking for a spectacle of a film... Mm. This, Good, a, a family drama. Yeah, but not for families. <laughs> <laughs> Do not be taking your young ones to this. The other film that is out is Boxing Day. I absolutely love this. It is Christmas time. This is the first official Christmas movie. Have we finally gotten a Christmas movie that's not ridiculously bad and cheesy? Yeah, like there's a bit of cheese and there's a bit of fun. Like this one I love. It's the first ever black-led British Christmas movie. Oh. Yeah, it's Boxing Day is a day that they celebrate in this family um, that is based loosely on Amal Amin's life. Um, it is all about him bringing his fiance home and it's supposed to be a moment of celebration, but when he gets home, the past catches up with him and there's all the hijinks around that. Let's take a clip. You're going to London during the holidays. My agent said it's essential to promote this book. It's the perfect opportunity for me to meet your family. I don't even want to see my family. Is this about Boxing Day where your parents announced their divorce and you fled to America? <laughs> it's just, you know what it is? It's fun. I loved seeing another story, a different story up on the big screen. And it's one that we can all relate to because when it comes to Christmas, all our families are mad. Yeah, we all have awkward family things. <laughs> Tell me, where does Leanne Pinnock come into this? She is fantastic. She plays the ex-fiancé. Oh. And this is her film debut. You would never know it. I thought, oh, you know, she's she's put in just to have as a name. And, you know, it was a safe start because she plays a singer and one who's just gotten her break. But, wow, she didn't play it comfortably at all. She was great. I just... I think she's got a big acting career ahead of her. That's interesting. Are both of your movies this week are big singers turned actors? Well, there we go. Yeah, I did that on purpose. We were looking for a theme and that's the theme <laughs> we went with. I just think this is a lot of fun. London looks gorgeous. It gets you in the Christmas mood. So if you're looking for a Christmas film, definitely check this one out. And look, if you want to know more about what's at the movies, definitely check out We Love Movies with Gordon Hayden tomorrow from 8am. But before I go, Aoife, you've been watching something else. I know. I'm, you're telling me about all these things and I wish I had time to watch them. I thought <laughs> I was finally going to when RuPaul's Drag Race UK finished last Thursday. But RuPaul has come at us again with a ton of content. It's ridiculous. So we're going to have uh, season 14 of the US um, seasons on January 7th, I believe. Queen of the Universe, which is the new singing contest for drag queens hosted by Graham Norton. Cannot wait is, for that one. That premiered yesterday on Paramount+. Plus. And we also have a Christmas special coming called The Bee Who Stole Christmas. Oh, and you can figure out what the bee means. Um, it's obviously not a buzzing bee. Um, I cannot wait for all of that. And Aoife, actually talking about drag queens... Because we are in the month of December, yes. this month, for the next three weeks, what we're going to do is look back at some of our favourite interviews of the year. One of our favourites was with Monet Exchange when she shared her favourite things. So yes. up next on the show, we're going to be catching up with Monet Exchange, looking back at that interview where she shared her favourite things. The Bellissimo Files. Favourite things. My favourite seg segments on the show because during this time we not only get to hear other people's favourite things but we get to know a little bit more about them and seeing as it's December during this month Aoife and I have decided that we're going to play some of our favourite interviews of them of the year and one of my favourites was with I'm going to say the word favourite again I need to think of another word let's say fabulous was with the fabulous um, Monet exchange from RuPaul's Drag Race Monet, as I said, you are one of our favourite things. I'm thrilled you're joining us. Thank you for having me, girl. What is one of your favourite things about 
getting to do drag? Oh, my favorite things about getting to drag to do drag is the makeup. Uh, makeup is my favorite part, and makeup obviously is a big thing that transform you. So, like, to, 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 the makeup is my favorite part, especially when you throw a lash on. It's like the whole thing comes together. So, can we get to know a bit, a bit more about you through your favorite things? Yeah. What TV show are you obsessing over right now? Oh, Survivor. Um, I don't know if you guys have Survivor in Ireland, but trust me, it's so good. It's like Naked and Afraid. I don't know if you guys have that. I, I mean, I'm just thinking a whole bunch of American shit y'all don't even have. Don't we have had Survivor. I, I think it's up to okay. season 20 or something now. No, it? it's like season 41, girl. What? But let me tell you, and I was one of those people, I was like, I'm not, no one's watching this stupid show. And I was like, it was in like mid-pandemic. I was like, ugh. I'll just put it on and I was literally obsessed. Start with season 28. It's so good. What is it about Survivor? It's basically the opposite the opposite of Drag Race. Like I feel like on Drag Race, so many girls are so afraid of public perception and and um they 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 want to play like a fair game and they want to be super nice. On Survivor, it's literally the opposite. Like the whole premise of the game is to cheat, steal, and lie and to like connive people and to stab people in the back. So because I would never go on TV and do that. It's nice to watch other people do it. I was going to say, <laughs> if they did a celebrity version, would you do it? Oh, for sure. I would do the regular version. To play like a totally different game than how I did on Drag Race would be so fun. You have a favorite book? Oh, so I just read the Mariah Carey book. Is it good? so good. And I was not expecting it to be good. It was great. So insightful. You learned so much about her life and her process. But you should listen to the audiobook because she also, well, I, I was like, I would like read it and listen along an audiobook because she like sings in it and she like, she Does puts, she, she voice like, it? Yeah, she voices, she voices the audiobook. Ah, forget about the reading. I, I'm oh, not reading the book. It's I, I'm getting amazing. the audiobook. Yes, yes. Your all time favorite film. This is so whatever, but The Notebook. It's so beautiful. And it's so cheesy and so corny, but I love it. <laughs> um, the song that everyone should have on their pumped up playlist. The song, uh, Love Like This by Monet Exchange, honey. It's going to be the song of the summer, girl. Do you have a favorite album? Because a lot of people don't have favorite albums anymore. Oh, my favorite album, I do. Never Say Never by, by Brandy. I think it came out in 99. And it was like the first album that like my mom like, bought me and I had like a CD player if um, you Gen Zers know what that even is. And I would, I remember listening to it and it was like the favorite, my, it was like the first album I ever listened to like front to back. And I still know every song and I love every song on that record. And um, yes, yeah, my favorite album of, of all time. The app that you can't live without. This is so random with the Sonos app. They just installed Sonos in my house, these like little speakers and they all like sing and talk to each other. So like you play a song and like your whole home is playing music. So right now the Sonos app, I can't live without. What is your favorite account to follow on social media? Oh, favorite account? Oh my God, let me open my Instagram really quick. Oh my, oh my God. He's an, an, an American comedian. And I back when I had uh, the talk show exchange, I had him on. Chris Stefano. he has an Instagram. Um, it's Chris D Comedy. And he's so outlandish. He says the funniest, randomest shit. So every morning I just open my Instagram. And for some reason, he's like the first one on my thing when I open my app. It's always like a ridiculous video. So I really like Chris D Comedy. And what are you looking forward to doing when the world fully reopens again? Oh my God. I'm looking forward to just going to a dance, to a club and in the middle of the dance floor and just screaming and singing at the top of my lungs whatever song is playing. Hopefully it's We Found Love by Rihanna and like the strobe lights and like this the heat of other people's bodies around me. That's what I'm looking forward to doing. I was going to say, I never thought I missed sweaty strangers as much right. as Right. You know what I mean? And then, and then, then making out with them too. That's also a plus. Unbelievable.
completely. <laughs> and um, hopefully, as I said when we spoke a couple of weeks ago, hopefully coming and seeing us here in Ireland would be great too. Oh, I'm coming to Ireland literally as soon as I can, and I will be there. Monet, it is so cool to have you on the show. Can't wait to see you here in Ireland. Thank you so much, my dear. Thank you. This is great. It's the Bellissimo Files. The Bellissimo Files. On spin. A little earlier on the show, we reviewed Boxing Day, the new... Christmas movie that is in cinemas right now. It is now time to catch up with the director, writer and star of that film, Amal Amin. Amal Amin, so fabulous to talk to you about the fabulous Boxing Day. The fabulous, I love that. The fabulous Boxing Day, thank you. I was checking out your Instagram and you've got a photo and it's of the poster and under it the caption is, we are all over the country still pinching myself that my directing debut is a Warner Brothers film. Yes. How does it feel when you're driving through London streets seeing your poster and seeing the film in cinemas? Do you know it's crazy? I I haven't seen it in the cinema in terms of seeing the trailer. I need to go and watch a movie soon. I should plug a movie right here. But uh, I'm going to go see a movie and go and watch the trailer and then I'm going to leave. But what's amazing is I've actually went and taken the train. I always love taking the train and they gave me a couple of spots where it's on the train. And so as a person that no longer lives in the UK, the train has become, like the underground's one of my, uh, ooh, let me go on the underground, you know? Back when I was a kid, I was like, I don't want to go on the underground again. (laughs) But it feels amazing. And um, just, yeah, I feel elated because it came from my imagination it came from my real life experiences growing up as a greek italian in australia i just i was never used to seeing myself on screen Mm. and then my big fat greek wedding came out yes and i felt seen i felt celebrated yes how do you feel getting to share your narrative and making people feel that way do you know what's funny? You said my uh, my big fat Greek wedding. That's one of my inspirations for this movie. You have yeah. like, you know, love actually. No and my, I swear to God, like, because my big fat Greek wedding is about family, right? And so a big part of Boxing Day is about family yeah. life. And it's about, fa- uh, my big fat Greek wedding is about family life within the context of America and New York. And this is a, a film about black British Caribbean, African Caribbean family life within the context of um, being from London and the UK. So, to me, I, I completely understand your feeling about it. And I feel that it's an amazing thing for the culture to be seen, but also for British people on a whole to embrace an aspect of their culture. Yeah. I embrace love, actually. I embrace Notting Hill. And so for me, uh, th- this is just my paintbrush on that beautiful painting, which is called Being British. This wasn't only your directorial debut. This mm-hmm. was Leanne Pinnock's film debut. Yes. How did you see past her role in Little Mix and go, you are actually going to be really good in this, because she was. Leanne worked her socks off, like, properly worked her socks off during the course of making this movie. Um, I didn't really know Little Mix like that, so I had the benefit of of that. But she actually delivered, like, an actor's performance, and she did that by really, really focusing on the craft first. And so that's what I found to be really amazing and that's why I found um, she's an incredibly hard worker. And I understand the reason she's successful because she has a, a degree of humility about herself and her aspirations that I think anybody can learn from. So I love what she did in the movie. And, you know, she was great. The soundtrack to this I absolutely loved. I heard that you were the DJ on set playing an eclectic mix of songs. You also threw in some little mix while you were on set. Mm -hmm. How did Leanne react to that? 
<laughs> well, do you know what it was? <laughs> it was a case of me and Lee. I was discovering Little Mix music for the first time. So uh, I think I liked, shout out to my ex. You know you're out of it. I was like, oh, this is good. <laughs> This is really good. I could like do a road trip to this song, you know. So um, I loved, I loved that, and uh, yeah, she enjoyed it. She actually encouraged me because I would just try and play the Spice Girls because I'm kind of outdated like that. The film is so much fun, and I was watching it at time, re- really envious, going, "How much fun did they have making this movie?" Especially when all the cast was together for those celebration scenes. Serena, we had a stupid amount of fun. Here. A stupid amount of fun. It, without question, yeah. is the most fun set I've ever been on, if I may say so myself. And it was, it was just really, it was ridiculous. We partied, and you're looking at this. The world is locked down. No one's allowed to go out. Everybody's got to wear masks. But in Boxing Day, within the set, we can rip off our masks, DJ, have some fake rum punch. Maybe I snuck in a bit in real, and just have a good bloody time. <laughs> and so you know, we we just really, really had a great time making this movie how do you walk away from this film how do you feel walking away from it now what do you take with you i feel like i've given my heart to my country and that sounds a bit wild but this is me giving my my heart to my country giving my love letter to my country from me and my family basically and it's me saying embrace a part of who you are as well you know, I, I love all of those films that yeah. we mentioned, the Richard Curtis movies, and I embrace them as part of my British culture. And so I, I for me, I'm, I, I guess I walk away with that feeling and that kind of mission statement that I hope people embrace the movie. It's so enjoyable anyway. And I, I hope it's something that people can turn on every single year as a part of that that great list of, you know, holiday rom-coms. That's my hope. Well, I know I will. Amal, thank you so much for the film, for chatting with us, and I cannot wait to see what you do with Martin Luther King in Ruston. Yes, the Martin Luther King job. <laughs> yes, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's definitely an amazing honour to be playing him, for sure. Thank you. If you want a fun, fabulous Christmas film and want to check it out at the cinemas, Boxing Day is for you. Break, 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 break it down. The Melissimo Files. What did I miss? Producer Aoife is back with us. There's lots going on. This first thing that you're going to tell me about, I'm actually really sad about because I thought the girls as a trio were I know. fabulous. I know. And even hearing them there and shout out to my ex, it just makes me really sad now hearing them. Of course, yeah. this week we did get the news that Little Mix are going to take a break. They're not saying break up. They're saying take a break. How many people have said that? And then we never see them again. Or am I just talking about past relationships? (laughs) (laughs) I did see someone recently talk. I can't remember who it was. Someone from a band from way back when saying, oh, sure, we never broke up. We only, we never actually broke up. And I'm like, but you haven't released a song in 15 years. It doesn't really count. (laughs) But it means I can come back in 16 if I want. (laughs) Yeah, so I really, really hope that that's not the case for Little Mix. I do hope we see them back. Um, If you want to hear a bit more about the reason why they split, they were on the Graham Norton show last night revealing why. And uh, they were all quite emotional. There was a few tears shed. Very, very sad. I'm really sad to see them go, but they are still going to do their confetti tour next year. Good. And they're going to work on separate projects. We might see Leanne doing more movies, I'm guessing. Yeah. But hopefully they will come back together. I'd say maybe in five or six years' time. Yeah. You know, look at Take That. They break up, they come back, and yeah, so we'll see a different incarnation of them. But I am sad, I have to admit. And in other news, Billie Eilish has been named as PETA's Person of the Year, which is quite an accolade. Now, I... 
maybe I should have known, but Billy is a huge advocate for animal rights. She is um, vegan, always promoting veganism. She was asking people not to eat turkey this year. Um, apparently she studied turkeys a lot in the run-up to it and how they're kind creatures, etc. Oh, wow. Um, she also was the co-chair of the Met Gala this year and they served all vegan food. So she's really, really big for pushing it. And she also got um, the designer who designed her dress for the Met Gala, I'm going to Oscar De La Renta, yep. uh, to stop using fur completely in their lines. She, so she's, she's doing good stuff for the animals. Do you know, I love that as well. You know how some people could just go, oh, this is what I am. And then you actually look into it and go, but you're wearing leather shoes and you're doing this and you're doing yeah. that and she's following it through yes I still can't believe though so also this week with Billy she redid her famous Vogue interview that she does every year and people are like oh it's the fifth year in a row she's done it and I'm like she's still only 19 oh I feel like such an underachiever don't you I know she's I feel like she's like 30 years wiser than her years how does she have such a wise head on her I don't now know now we sound like we're like 72 yeah. <laughs> if you're looking for something to do this weekend to pass a bit of time I would highly recommend go and watch all of the Vogue interviews in a row like from the beginning to now that's a great and idea and see the differences in her answers and her reacting to herself it's really 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 interesting okay I'm going to do that later this yes. weekend yeah and finally I cannot believe these are back Aoife tell me I tell kind me of can and I kind of can so, we all know the TikTokers, the uh, Gen Z age, they are all bringing back the Y2K 2000s clothes trends. It and wasn't pretty. I know. They all love it. And I feel like there are regrets that they're living, but it's fine. <laughs> and as you know, a big trend of the noughties was wearing those lovely bright velour tracksuits with the word juicy written across your behind. And guess what? what? They're coming back. Juicy Couture has just launched in Brown Thomas and Arnott, so I'm guessing they're seeing a trend that's going to stay. Aoife, so like, I, I think I could take the Juicy Couture. What I can't take is if you come next week and you <laughs> tell me that low-rise jeans no. are back... No, just, no, no. Please. Now, the Juicy Couture tracksuits are very low rise they as are. well. That's why very. I'm thinking the fact that it starts with the velour and then it works its way up to the denim. Velour should have been a material left in the 2000s. <laughs> <laughs> Although I do quite like the touch of the velour. Anyway, no. we're getting too far too personal details here. <laughs> um, Eva, you're going to be back a little later on. I am indeed. I am going to be bringing you the Bellissimo Files track of the week. This week we are putting up Ed Sheeran and Elton John. I can't believe Elton John has made it onto Spins music world I know it's uh, brilliant isn't it? their brand new Christmas song called Merry Christmas and the new one from Kid Cudi and Ariana Grande as well it's the Bellissimo Files the Bellissimo Files on spin you're listening to the Bellissimo Files with thanks to Hey You the home of Below Deck stream every season now and get new episodes the same day as on the US now, earlier on in the show, we were reviewing House of Gucci and everyone is talking about Lady Gaga's performance in that her performance is great, but something that helps get her into character is the fact that she is wearing amazing, amazing outfits. And part of her costume are these fabulous gloves. Did you know that those gloves are actually by our very own Dubliner, Paula Rowan? Well, I caught up with her during the week to find out how. How did she manage to get her gloves not only in House of Gucci, but get Lady Gaga wearing them? Paula, welcome to the show and congratulations. Hi, Serena, and thank you for having me on. I'm absolutely delighted, obviously, um, having been chosen to buy the gloves for House of Gucci and also the reaction that I've got because I really had no idea that 
what has happened was going to happen. Oh, can we go back a step before you saw all of this on the big screen? And it's not even just the big screen because this is going to be such an iconic movie and there's such iconic film stills already coming from it and your gloves are in it. So before we talk about the reaction to that, let's go back to the very beginning and go, how did this happen? Over the years, I've benefited from getting a huge amount of exposure. So my gloves are in Vogue most months. They're in another magazine. They're in Dazed. I have a lot of celebrities that wear them. So overall, I think between the exposure that I get and my social media, an awful lot of stylists and photographers globally have got to know my brand. I'm quite specialized, obviously, in what I do because it's gloves, but also I have a huge range. So there's kind of something for everyone within the range. So therefore, if a stylist or a photographer goes to choose something from my site, they have a selection of everything. So that's essentially how people and stylists and photographers know the brand. And I'm assuming that's how fashion buyers for House of Gucci came to me. So I received an email last year in December, actually. And to be perfectly honest with you, I was quite busy. So it was a little while before I got back to the email. But when I looked at the subject matter, which was just bizarre, it said Lady Gaga, ex Ridley Scott, ex House of Gucci. And I initially, to be honest with you, I thought it was spam. Now, I would get emails from, as I say, very big publications. But this was, I hadn't really received anything like that. Like, to be honest with you, when it happened with Madonna a few years ago, it was Madonna ex um, Madame X. And I was thinking, okay, it's the spam as well. But then I like opened the email and again, the same with Gucci. The logo was there, the script or um, synopsis of what they would be doing. And then the email was like, is this something you could do? We'd like to discuss this further. So then I got back and then I was given um, hand sizes. I was given descriptions of what specifically they were looking for because it was Janty Yates who was the costume designer on House of Gucci. So she was very specific about what she wanted. So I was given a list of colours, a list of styles that they were looking for and could I do this? After the first 25, 20 pairs the first time around were sent, then they got back in contact with me for the, I think it was the Versace fashion show scene. That was for gold gloves and then they were looking for pink elbow links as well. So overall, I think it was 25 or 30 pairs that I supplied them with. So actually, I saw the movie last week and I'm going to have to go and see it again because I was looking at the gloves, obviously, the whole way through it. So like I have to say it's a huge honour when you're in the company of the likes of Gucci, obviously, and Bulgari, um, Boucheron, Yves Saint Laurent, like these massive brands, and then myself. And it's just, there's also one particular image where Lady Gaga has her hands by her face and she's wearing the elbow link gloves. And like, literally, if I was organizing an advertising campaign, that's like exactly how you want someone to position your hands. <laughs> but what Lady Gaga does, it's even more special. So how long does it take for you to go from realizing, okay, this is real, thank God you didn't press delete, to them wanting your stuff? The turnaround for this was actually quite quick. It was three weeks, which normally is not something I would do. Generally speaking, it takes three months to make a pair of gloves. Everything is done by hand. Each is um, handcrafted in Naples in the south of Italy. Now, in this situation, as I say, I've practically cried, begged, <laughs> did everything. So one of the ones that I worked with um, did I'm sure that when an opportunity like this comes along, it's quite top secret. How many people could you actually tell? And how do you keep a secret like this? I have to tell my solicitor. That was it because I signed an NDA. I couldn't tell, tell anyone. And it was quite funny because obviously I was watching all the social media and the costume um, buyer who approached me, she was messaging me and I'd see these images coming up. And there was a very clear one, which was actually on the Gucci website for about four months of Lady Gaga walking through a market with my green Ada gloves on her. So I messaged the costume buyer and I said, can I do anything like this? And she was like, remember the NDA? So literally it was my solicitor who I was able to tell. 
And as I say, it was, it was quite frustrating because you're seeing like these amazing images and they know they're your product and like everybody's commenting on the costumes and this, that and the other. So I stuck to what I was asked to do until the first premiere. That long? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, had, I signed an NDA and I could stick to my word. And well, firstly, I can't afford to be sued by... <laughs> but that aside, you know, if you sign an NDA, it's a, a legal contract. And I just kind of think I've given them my word. So I'm, I'm sticking to it. So I literally waited. I'm working with your company in the UK. So they were following up on when exactly, literally down to the second of when I could actually talk about it. So I think that was um, about two and a half, three weeks ago. How have your family, like, I know how we've all reacted, but we don't know who you, like, your family and friends know you. How, what was their reaction like? Well, obviously, they were very excited for me. Like, my friends were like, what? Oh, my God, this is huge. And, like, certainly, I'm one of six children to start with, so there's no airs and graces about us. And, like, as I say, I'm... <laughs> Like, oh, yeah, that's great. Yeah, that's great. And then said, so did you meet Lady Gaga? But no, I didn't meet Lady Gaga, mum. What's actually been lovely is the number of customers that have come into the shop to congratulate me. I had no idea that it was going to have the reaction that it has. I didn't think there'd be that much interest from the public. And I suppose at the end of the day, like anyone in business, the last 18 months to two years have been like very full on. And it's about kind of like focusing on keeping the business open, which is good because it grounds you as well. So something like this wouldn't necessarily be going to my head is what I'm trying to say like it's really exciting and it's amazing and like I have to say Vogue interviewed me um, British Vogue about two weeks ago and the interview went up online about a week ago and reading that was very exciting because it's not something I'd ever expected to happen like when I started with my brand I was producing gloves for my shop I didn't think that anything like this was going to happen so initially I suppose with a lot of design businesses, I didn't start off with a business plan. I started off with a passion and it's kind of built from there. You have a shop in the Westbury Mall. I do. How's all of that going and what's the plan for 2022 after something like this? Well, at the moment, it's really busy, which is fantastic. That's great. Plans for 2022, I haven't actually sat down. Like, it sounds a bit bizarre, but I usually sit down on New Year's Eve. I know it's bizarre and it sounds last minute. I kind of, I start to, I suppose between now and New Year's Eve, I start to actually think of what I want to achieve by next year. And like most of the time, what I achieve happens. You know, I hadn't said, I think, well, I, had to, I think I actually might have said something to do with a movie last year. No way! Yeah, no, no, I, it's kind of, it's funny. I, I said a Vogue cover the year before, which I got an Italian Vogue cover. So, but I haven't, I haven't started the list yet because I'm a bit hectic at the moment. But every time something comes to mind, I, I like put it down. And then by New Year's Eve, I kind of have a very clear focus of what I'm planning for 2022. So it's a bit early in the month to ask me yet. <laughs> well, do you know what, Paula? Don't be changing your process because it's worked for you. I'm so thrilled to see your designs being recognised and you doing so well. Congratulations. Thank you very much. If you want to see more of Paula Rowan's designs, you can follow her on Instagram, Paula Rowan Gloves. This is a new music spotlight. On the Bellissimo Files. On the Bellissimo Files. She's back in studio with me, and this time producer Aoife has brought some great tracks, including... Christmas one. We can say the C word now because it yeah, is the Have we December. ever had a Chris a like new Christmas contender for our track of the week? Um I think a while ago I tried to get Kylie and Denny as the track. <laughs> <laughs> if you haven't heard it, it's a great Christmas song. It's 100 degrees and it gets you dancing. <laughs> this is a bit more of a, a different collaboration, shall we say, than the Minogue sisters. This is uh, Ed Sheeran and Elton John have come together for a Christmas song. It is called Merry Christmas and it is as cheesy as you like. <laughs> 
If someone told me at the start of 2021 that Elton John would have a revival in his career and we'd be playing him willingly on spin. On multiple tracks. Yes. I'd be going, are you mad? It's all the collaborations he's doing with current artists are really, really helping, obviously, but I actually am loving hearing them back. And they're really, because they're really, really good. Yes. So apparently he approached Ed to write this Christmas song. Obviously he had Step Into Christmas, which was a huge, huge Christmas track. I love that one. Apparently it's entered the top 40 every year since 2017, so it's becoming more popular again. But it's never reached number one and he wants a Christmas number one. <laughs> is this going to make number one? Because I'm sorry, I think this sounds a bit like the start to Gogglebox. Oh, have a listen to this again. Just listen to the start. It is. It's a bit sitcommy or something, isn't it? Yeah, it's like you pointed it out. Yeah, yeah, it really is. Um, so Ed Sheeran apparently wasn't sold on the idea at first because he doesn't know about doing a Christmas song he always said you have to throw everything but the kitchen sink at it and they've kind of done that and the jingle bells and the sleighs and they threw everything at it (laughs) it is as cheesy Christmas as it gets it kind of sounds like a traditional Christmas song but also fresh I'm really liking that yeah do you know this is the first Christmas song that actually has Merry Christmas in the title oh yeah so there's a lot of firsts in this let's see if this makes it to number one I'm still a bit I don't know on the fence but you know me, Aoife, in three weeks' time, I'm going to be like, have you yeah. heard? And you know me, usually yeah. I don't buy into this stuff, but I actually love it. Yeah. So, <laughs> I feel sorry for whoever you put up against, Alton and Ed. We've put up a phenomenal collaboration again. <laughs> this is with Ariana Grande and Kid Cudi. It's from a new Netflix movie called Don't Look Up, and it is this song is of the same name. Okay, I'm feeling like there's a mixture of Celine Mariah does Disney in a film that I didn't think would have a Disney-type soundtrack. I cannot wait to watch this. It sounds like it's going to be absolutely mad. So the film is called Don't Look Up on Netflix. It's directed by Adam Kay. It has a stellar cast. It's like amazing. Leo DiCaprio, we've got Jennifer Lawrence, we've got Meryl Streep, Ariana, Kid Cudi, like phenomenal, phenomenal cast. I think, I'm, I'm guessing it's a comedy. I don't know a whole lot about it. I'm guessing it's kind of satirical. I think it's more satirical than yes. a comedy. So yeah. it's apparently a science student and their teacher, I think that's Jennifer Lawrence and Leo, discover a comet is going to crash into Earth and they need to convince the world that it's happening, but they can't because of social media. Yeah, it's more it's more dramatic than, than haha, okay. this is funny. <laughs> yeah, but I um, can't wait for that. I'm not sure about that song, but I can't yeah. wait for the movie. <laughs> a song that I'm always sure of is... Come on! Are you ready? dance track of the week. Just clap your hands to the beat. <laughs> You never fail to disappoint with this, Aoife. Who have you got for us? I got a new one from Pete Tong. He's released a new album called I Beat the Classics with Friends. And this is a collaboration with Eats Everything. And it's uh, Love Can't Turn Around.
I say it every week. Why do you only give me 15 seconds? I know. Make sure you go check out that album. It's a collaboration album, Reimagining I Beat the Classics. It's phenomenal. That's not the single of the week, though. It's not. I'm so happy we get to play a Christmas song. This is the new one from Ed Sheeran and Elton John called Merry Christmas on the Bellissimo Files. Build a fire and gather round the tree. that your Bellissimo Files single of the week. It's the first Christmas song we've played out this season here on the Bellissimo Files. Merry Christmas. Ed, no, I'm not saying that's too early for that, but that's Ed Sheeran and Alton John. That's it for me this week. Up next, it's Neve. See you next week. It's the Bellissimo Files. The Bellissimo Files. On spin.